I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. I want you to forgive me. Why the fuck do you think you deserve forgiveness? We are all God's children. Bullshit. You don't own me. I'm not your property. So take a shift in little bitty eyes of me. Tell me what I can do to make things better. Nothing. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, a weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show, and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode. I'm Fiona Williams, and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV here at SBS, and I'm joined by my friends, colleagues, and fellow resistors. Natalie Handley, Managing Editor of SBS Voices. Hello. Heidi Island, Channel Manager of SBS On Demand. Hi. And Sana Kadar, host of All in the Mind for Radio National. Hello. Hello. Well, we have just watched episode eight of season four of The Handmaid's Tale. It is called Testimony and it is written by Kira Snyder and directed by Elizabeth Moss. Yes, that Elizabeth Moss. June confronts Fred and Serena in court. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? I do. And challenges Emily to face a painful reminder of her Gilead past. You should face her. I promise you, you will feel better. We're not all like you. Lawrence presents Aunt Lydia with a newly captured, familiar handmaid. Do with her what you will. Does he ever? <laughs> Look, I mean, I ask what our favourite moments are. I'll go to you first, Natalie. Yeah, what's your favourite moment? Because, of course, mine is Janine. <laughs> I Shocker. actually gasped, like, and so loudly that my partner checked to see if I was okay. <laughs> and then he saw that I was watching Handmaid's and he's like, oh, okay, situation normal. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I was so shocked and thrilled and, also, of course, sad, like all of the things. But, you know, I'm so glad that we do actually see her. Yeah, and I feel bad because, I mean, I wrote her off a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> right. Me too. Yeah. Like, given her current circumstances, I feel worse for her here. Yeah. Like, I, I think she would have been better off dead currently. Oh, my God, she's so defeated, the poor thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've got a different take on you. Oh, oh, okay. All, all right. right. We'll save Take that. that. <laughs> uh, Sana, what, um, what about you? I'll go with Aunt Lydia's quivering lip. <laughs> this is Aunt Lydia as we don't really see her you know she's very cut down to size she's very vulnerable um, I kind of like it uh, although we have seen her like this you know when we had her flashback you know when she was pretty humiliated then uh, but yeah that's that's mine and now I'm forming an indie band called Aunt Lydia's Quivering Lip <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Heidi um, what about you my stand up moment is definitely Emily saying that she feels amazing, amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the bit where she says that she feels glad that that aunt is I'm dead I'm glad she's dead and I hope I had something to do with it that was just my yeah my best moment yeah cool um, well mine oh, well was the, that five minute single take I think that mm. was pretty amazing um, but in terms of just the small moments we like to pick out here Fred's entrance. Mr. Waterford's sexual tastes were very pedestrian. On occasion, he couldn't even perform. 
When that happened, he'd make me have sex with another Jezebel while he watched and masturbated. And a good evening to you, too. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that, that, that cracked me up. I actually wasn't sure what the five minutes was. Oh, okay. yeah, oh, yeah, I, was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, what was the five-minute take? June's of testimony. Course, of course it was that. Was but, it actually five uh, minutes long? Wow. Whoa, I did... Wow. Sorry, I did not realise that was five minutes. I was so engrossed. I, yeah. That flew by almost. Yeah, no, cool. five minutes of solid dialogue and the best recap of the series, I think, as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was a very good. I was like, oh, yeah, that happened. And then that, oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah. No, <laughs> it was quite astounding. Uh, but look, we're kind of all in the episode now. Let, let's, let's do our usual recap. Okay, we open with June looking in the mirror, doing a bit of a self-haircut chopping off those locks um, is it so she can't put it up in a bun and it's trying to keep the rage monster at bay I don't know what do we, what do we think to the tunes of um, Porter's Head's Glory Box as well, which is great mm, love that song um, I just thought it was a fresh start a new June a new me new season <laughs> um, but I did, I did think a um, chic bob happening yeah, exactly I did think you know she's a woman of many talents if she can cut a bob in a straight line on first go <laughs> yeah. on top of everything else she's done I know we talk about all the like unbelievable things yeah. that's surely one of them I don't mind she looks amazing yeah yeah, yeah it suits it was great it's a little bit of new hope because I know after last episode I was just worried that we weren't quite at the bottom yet and that June was going to descend even mm. further. So this to me was a sign that we're on the way up again. June's on the way up. Yeah. Which is kind of how we feel by the end of the episode, right? So, yeah, I think yeah. I think that's true. Yeah, agreed. And Moira makes the the point later on in that conversation with Emily about moving forward and we're all trying to move forward. So, I'd, yeah, I think there's lots of cues here. Some stumbles along the way, a bit of... Um, bit of stationary <laughs> motion there. June's not quite there yet, but uh, yeah, th- this whole episode, I love it, is focused on how do you move forward. For June, it's not at the group therapy <laughs> at, the, at the start anyway. She's quite snarky, doesn't really want to do the journaling, doesn't, that's not, that's not how June wants to process her trauma from Gilead. Yeah, all the handmaids in a library, nice touch. Yeah, you can take the handmaids out of Gilead, but you can't take the Gilead out of the handmaids. It's that they're, they're, yeah, trying to work through things, but at the moment they're kind of behaving as victims should, in inverted commas, like they're doing that kind of therapy, but it's not quite... June's certainly noticing it's not helping. Mm -hmm. That's what's intriguing about... Like, I love the therapy circle. I did notice, by the way, it's, it's very similar to how we are actually seated. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> We're in a circle. That, uh, yeah, that did not escape well, me. Either. This is group therapy, really. Like, <laughs> for me, it's group therapy. 100%. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I found that so interesting how the women were all saying what they thought they should say, whether it was what they thought they should say as victims or whether it's what they thought they should say as women. And it was, um, they're all trying to be very empathetic with each other and you must be feeling terrible, you know. But, yeah, I I really enjoyed sort of the journey of the therapy in um, this episode (laughs) about how, um, yeah, June clearly saw that. I love that she goes home and Luke's like, how was group? (laughs) (laughs) That was fine. And she clearly hates it, and it's, and, it and it looks really lame. Um, but poor Mora, she's trying. I know, oh, bless Mora. She's like, I should have left June on the boat. <laughs> I know. But by the end of it, yeah, yeah, she's now well, she's that even wrecking really my group. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is interesting that Moira's leading it, though. I mean, there's not a counselor, or like, yeah. you know, there's not a therapist. It's peer-led, yes. you know, group therapy, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But June makes the point, like, 
they should be angry of. Well, they don't seem as angry, but... But no one's quite as freshly out of Gilead as, as June is, right? Like, True. she's just gotten out, so I'd be pretty rage-filled, too. It seems like these women have been out a bit longer. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, look, I don't want to jump ahead, but I was thinking that as well. Like, we're talking about June having a fresh start and that June's on the up. And I'm still, like, I'm watching what she's doing with these women and... Honestly, it's thrilling. Like, I actually really love it. I'm all about maintain the rage, you know, <laughs> like do not forget. What's this, what's this forgive and forget bullshit? Um, so, like, I love that she's sort of um, bringing out the anger and, like, allowing women to feel anger, which I think is, like, amazingly empowering. But June is a destructive force in some ways, and so I want to be behind it and think that she's doing amazing things. But she's sort of taken that rage from Gilead and we wondered what that would look like when she's in Canada. And we are now seeing what that looks like. But what's the end result going to be? Like hopefully it is just helping people heal. And it sort of looks like that's what it did for Emily with that like mm. amazing moment that she had. Yeah. But it could also be quite destructive. So mm. um, I think she's in more in a revenge place than healing place. And whether, you know, through revenge you can find healing, maybe <laughs> that's like the controversial idea here. But, um, you know, all the conventional wisdom around that is that, you know, revenge and, and that level of anger is not going to lead to healing. You need to move on somehow. I mean, like there is this theme of whether forgiveness is necessary for healing that's running throughout this episode. And June's really questioning whether forgiveness is a requirement of, of healing. She's mm. kind of saying that, no, you can just be angry and that's that's okay and you can sit with that. You don't have to forgive to heal. Mm. And also, I mean, the theme throughout this one is justice. But like with, with the five-minute speech, it it culminates in the message about the handmaids who don't get to have their day in court, don't get to say... They don't get to have, sit in the shame circle taking it out onto mm. um, a remorseful aunt. So, yeah, like she's speaking on their behalf for justice. So it's just looking at what is justice because also in the in the recap at the start of the episode, it shows the idea of justice in Gilead and how Emily's Martha in there was just hung straight mm. away. So that that's Gilead justice. But then we see all different types of justice being meted out across this episode and kind of the idea of like... What is a just way to, to mm. treat these people who, who've treated you all so mm. horrendously across the years? So like June's moment where she got to testify, because when I looked at that, I just thought, you know what, not everyone can do that. Yep. You know, like um, they all, her therapy circle clapped her when she arrived. She was like the woman of the moment, you know, but, and I just thought, yeah, because what she just did was incredibly difficult and considering how much trauma she has, that like not many people can actually do that. Mm. So she was sort of doing it for everybody. Mm. And so um, I liked to imagine, I'm sorry, this may sound super lame. <laughs> Say it. But I'll, yeah, I'll always be the one that <laughs> says it anyway. But like um, considering that, you know, she is extraordinary. She's a handmaid and in and, and, and that sense, this sort of every handmaid. So if I follow that through when she was giving that amazing testimony. I like I imagined her. That I imagined that she was holding Nicole, that she had Hannah next to her, that mm -hmm. she had her mother just over her shoulder, oh. that she had all the handmaids behind her. And I was like, because not everyone can do that. And so the rest, unfortunately, have to live through her. And I think that's kind of what makes her an amazing character because we do sort of get to vicariously live through her, whether it's holding Serena's face and like yelling at her <laughs> or whether it's confronting an aunt, which is trying to get to Emily, which I really want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. go for it. Wow. Go for it. 
I sort of, I got to just want to know how everyone else felt because like. Well, so okay, I have two things to say. Firstly, on the on the um the long five minute testimony, there's a point when the camera is close to her and she looks at the camera, mm. right? Like she switches over mm. to looking at the camera, and that to me almost felt like almost like a PSA for like women around the world right now. Yes. Uh, Yeah. That's what it switched to to sounding like to me, which kind of broke me out of the scene a little bit. I don't know. Was that for you? Same for me. Yeah. For that moment. Like when characters break the fourth wall, it it is jarring. Yeah. And then I thought, yes, we are doing a bit of a PSA, as you know, but then it brought it back and it was mentioning the other hammer. So I was happy it did that Mm -hmm. because this show never goes messagey. No. <laughs> and then it, it came back, which which I was more comfortable with. <laughs> but I didn't I also like I didn't mind it. Yes. Like I don't like, you know, this show part of the reason it has such cut through is because it's about these issues that affect women and, and terrify women, right? So like I don't think it was completely off the mark either, but it was just it was different and I noticed that and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and this is what we're doing. So I'm I'm kind of neutral on it, I guess, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. But um with June and the the support circle and that Martha it's interesting how they're mirroring, you know, what used to happen with handmaids back in the day where if someone did something wrong, they'd all sit around them and point um, and say, she did it, she did it, you know, that shame whole thing. Shame circle. Yeah, yeah, the shame circle, yeah. And, and Lydia would preside over that, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's June presiding over another aunt having it happen to her. That mirroring is just, I thought that was really fun. Mm. And not to get ahead, but the Lydia, June mirroring in this one is yes. the same as the June Serena last time. Yeah. Like the, they're talking about other people, but they're also talking about themselves. And yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I, I, oh, I love it. Um, <laughs> but I am getting ahead. What were you going to say now? For me, like, I'm so glad you said the um, shame circle, because now that you've said it, I can actually really see it. Because where it took me was actually back to episode two. Because when June brought the aunt in and had the aunt in the middle and just right in front of Emily, it was... The Canada version of what she did for Esther, which is string up a man and hand her the knife. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I was just like, oh, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Pull up true. a chair and give her, give her the floor. A red yeah. chair, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no colours in the testimony. That was just a neutral yeah. space. Do you know what that made me think of? <laughs> um, it made me think of The Matrix when Neo meets Morpheus and they go yes. to that like empty white space yes. and this floating in between place. <laughs> That's completely what I was getting vibes of. Me too, oh, but really? I, I was thinking of the good place and when oh, like yeah. <laughs> where, and where like where like um Janet lives and she yeah. lives in like the void, yeah. you know, which is <laughs> because when they opened up the doors it was just pure white. It's yeah. sort of like mm. it's almost like that sort of neutral sort of holding space you go yeah. to before you ascend to heaven or something. Yeah, well like both sides, it, yeah, like you, you bring your own colours, but the actual space is meant to be devoid of any, any of that. Mm-hmm. And there was no Bible. And Correct. no Bible, yeah. And the way it was shot, they were really bringing out the, the circles and the stripes in the background. Yes. And I could, I now. Again with the like, circles and the like, stripes. It's like the bloody colours in Canada. <laughs> you now cannot all not I can see, it. see are circles and stripes. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed it because of what your comment was last week. I definitely noticed some I, of that. I actually think, like, because so much of the show is shot in extreme short focus, it really aids this because the backgrounds are so often broken down into. Yeah. You know, they're out of focus and they're broken down into, like, abstractions. And so these these lines and these stripes and these circles really come out. And I do wonder sometimes how much of it is just a kind of happy coincidence. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and how much of it is intentional. But, yeah, I can't stop seeing them now. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And also, while we're on the themes and, and filmic kind of moments, notice it's raining across a lot of yes. this episode. Yeah. What's that about? Well, I don't know. In my attempt to make... <laughs> 
give it a meaning. Um, I just thought like the breaking of a drought, kind of like the. Oh, um, right. It's That's nice. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Nothing to do with it, but yeah, I'll just stop. It's maybe like unleashing, I don't know, unleashing rain. I didn't even notice it was raining. Oh. <laughs> it was, I'm like Andy McDowell and like four weddings and a funeral, like, is it raining? I hadn't noticed. Um, but, but I thought of it as well because back in season three with the phone call when June got to call Luke, such as it was, it was two minutes, but I, we remarked then it was raining in, in Canada during that. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I'll, I'll add one more thing that I don't have a full explanation for in terms of how it's shot, but there's a lot of long, long zooms into June in this. Yeah. The first one comes at the opening group therapy scene. Uh, it's like a giant crane shot that comes into June. Then we see it again when June's waiting to go into the chamber and then again at the long shot into June when she's giving her testimony. And I just thought, I, th- I think maybe because it is such a contrast to what you were saying, Haiti, the fact that so much of the show is shot in extreme closes that I really noticed mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And on this point of moving forward, say with the June and Luke moments, because at the start, like we're still stuck in last week's developments. Mm. Clearly it's still going on. He he alludes to it with um, Moira. You know, there's a moment where June tries it again yeah. and he, you know, fights her off. And June heads upstairs but doesn't go upstairs. She's hovering on the stairway as she overhears Luke tell Moira. So she's a little, you know, she's stuck in that space. Seeing her on the stairways also reminds me of back of when she was at the Waterfords, yeah. hanging out on the stairs like that. That just took me straight back to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then by the end, you know, she goes upstairs. She heads purposefully heads upstairs. We're not quite sure to do what <laughs> yeah. first, but happily it's to actually open up. It's so interesting it's- because I just like, I hate the idea that she has to do more emotional labor, Yeah, you know, so like, she. <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's kind of like, she's always got to fix everything for everyone all the time. And when you get home, that's when you don't want to have to do that anymore. Yeah. You know, that's when you just want to like let loose. But unfortunately, Luke is really struggling and he's trying to reach out to his best friend who kind of can't really be there for him either. So he actually does need June to also take care of him. So you can see it for how hard it is for all of them. And it is heartbreaking and moving. I'm loving watching Luke get more acting range. He is actually a joy to watch and he's such a good actor. Mm -hmm. OT, not Luke. Um, If Aunt Lydia's quivering lip was my first highlight, second is is watching OT in this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the restraint, like the fighting fighting of the the tears, just that moment where he reveals a little bit to Moira. When he turns up at the testimony. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yes. Yeah. You know, but also, yes, you. do it because June doesn't hold back when people say, you know, <laughs> yes, yes. I don't want to talk to the Martha. She doesn't care. Or the aunt, you know, she doesn't care. She does it. Yeah. But why'd he come late? <laughs> like, he could have... For dramatic pause. <laughs> of <laughs> course. <laughs> I saw that last moment of the episode where June decides that she needs to tell Luke about the last time that she saw Hannah as kind of a release of the emotional burden that she's been carrying Mm -hmm. rather than Mm -hmm. like an extension of it because she's done so much work protecting the handmaids around her by withholding information, like withholding the death of Janine's son from her and things like that as a way to protect them. And she ends up being you know, emotionally removed because of that. She has to be this kind of stoic, closed character. And finally showing vulnerability to Luke is actually her letting go of of that emotional burden. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's been this physical reunion of her and Luke, but there hasn't been a psychological reunion, but this is the sign that 
you know, that's starting to happen finally. Yeah, yeah. and it's her release in more healthy channels as opposed yeah. to the aggression she was meeting out on him. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of that, Lawrence <laughs> says that to mm. Lydia, like you need a better that's outlet. Right. Oh, <laughs> God. Yes, I'm not quite sure that I'm liking what he has suggested as a possible no. outlet. Wow, which yeah. is kind of goes back to what we've said about his personality and he's just so divorced from empathy and he just does what he could intellectually live with. And, yeah, he's got a problem to solve, which is like Lydia, who just needs to let her aggression out. And, oh, look, we've got this stray handmaid. Just go for it. Do with her what you will. <laughs> I felt so, so sad seeing Janine like that. Like, it really broke my heart, you know, when she's scratching at the wall. I think June used to do that when she was trapped in a room at the Waterfords, you know, mm. scratch at a yep. corner as well. And just, like, God, the girl looks dead inside. If she's not yeah. dead, actually, she's dead inside. It was awful. Yeah. And, and just gently pleading yes. to not be put back yeah. into service. Yeah, that, I Gently, that like that's the key thing too, because it's like the fire is completely gone from her. She can't even muster the energy to plead more aggressively than, than that. Yeah, mm. that was heartbreaking. We know Lydia has a soft spot for Janine. Her response in seeing that Janine was still alive was like ours. It would, like she's lost for words. Mm-hmm. Not quite like ours, <laughs> I hasten <laughs> to say. But um, they have this special weird um, yes. connection. Yes. So when... June was giving her testimony and she was sort of being cross-examined and, and she was told that, well, you chose to be a handmaid, didn't yeah. you? Isn't it true, Miss Osborne, that you chose to become and a handmaid? And June says, well, it wasn't, wasn't much, much of a, of a choice. choice. And, and I quite liked that when we see Janine, here we have in this season mm. another woman who would rather die than be a handmaid. And we've actually already seen other women who have died because they were trying to escape just how awful being a handmaid actually is. So, yeah, it was like... Devastating to see Janine go. Just, just don't make. Like, I'll do anything, you know. Just like, don't make me do that. Yeah. And look, and who knows what Lydia's going to decide what to do with her. Like, Lydia's character in this is actually really fascinating. Yep. Man, hats off to Andal. Like the scene where she actually uses the cattle prod. Yeah. <laughs> like, how could she be? So angry and terrifying and vulnerable, like yeah. at the oh, same time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then when she was standing at Lawrence's house, she was like a broken woman. Like she was, yeah, she was all quivering. She was, she was afraid she was going to get terminated. You know, she was a very different Lydia. So watching her hug Janine, she was crying in that scene. Lydia was crying, just Mm. wiping away tears. And I don't know what they mean. Like, I'm just like, which part is making you cry? Like, (laughs) what what are you going to do with her? Yeah, yeah. No, but her comments, she corrupts, she she destroys everyone. She destroys everyone. You know, seemingly talking about June. What breaks her is saying, you poor thing, you've spent your entire life losing people you love. You've spent your entire life. Losing the people you love. Yes. You're not talking about yes. Janine. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, true. Yeah. Oh, I did. Wow. I did not think of that. that uh, that's I, a, I'm always looking for a little bit of a flashback. Yeah. I'll take that one. Yeah, that's 100%. so interesting because when she said that, I was like, oh, that is the fucking meanest thing you could say to Janine right now at her lowest moment. Like, this is psychological warfare I think you might mm. be starting to inflict on her. But I didn't read it as her talking about herself. That's really interesting. Mm. I also think... I think the worst punishment she could give her is to put her back in service, right? Like, that's the last thing Janine wants. So I wonder if, like, that's the sum total of what she'll do to her. She won't actually inflict any more physical pain on her herself. She'll put her back in service. So 
my take on Janine is not as devastating as yours, Sana. Um, yes, yes. Tell because, me your other ideas. Look, if there's a rule of TV, which is that how the character is when you first see them in a scene has to be different to how you end end on them. And that is a Janine scene to me. It's not a Lydia scene. So therefore, the Janine that we see in the beginning of that scene is broken, picking at the wall. But the one that we see at the end, when she's hugging Lydia, it ends on Janine's face and she doesn't look like the Janine we've always known. I feel like Janine has changed. I feel like June has actually changed Janine. And so... The look on her face, it wasn't a broken woman. It wasn't vulnerable Janine that we know. It it was very steely. I just thought, oh, mm. what is yep. this new Janine That's going to do? And Lydia breaking down, it's how can I use this <laughs> as well, I think, because <laughs> ah. the whole episode is like useful outlets. How do you move forward? You know, Moira uses the word useful. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a glimmer of, ooh, Janine's going to get some character I like Mint. that read. I'm into mm. that. I want that. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, we've, we've got, I mean, in this episode, we've got three abuse survivors returning to the orbits of their abusers, yep. as I see it. Yeah. I mean, very literally with Emily being confronted by this aunt and then Janine being returned to Aunt Lydia. And to the same extent, I think Serena reluctantly returning to Fred yeah. and and they were all reacting in in different ways. I'm actually dying to hear what you think about Serena, Haiti. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that squeal. Did I just squeal? You did. You sure did. <laughs> because uh, honestly, I was watching her reaction as June was speaking and when Fred was saying, He's frustrating Fredness of it all, but I was watching <laughs> Serena. it up. Wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he was totally fretting that up. And, um, uh, I was watching Serena and I was like, what is going through her mind? Mm. What is she? Because she was sitting a little bit back from him and she was like a bit calculated. She was analyzing stuff, mm. but I have n- no idea really where she was landing. Oh, I'm dying to hear everyone else's takes. Oh, my take <sighs> is that her heart is absolutely not in it. Like she is reluctantly there Ooh, with Fred. Oh, I disagree. <laughs> She's reluctantly there with Fred. And there is that moment where they're making their way to court. And they think that there are protesters outside. And when they come outside, they realise that they are supporters and that they're cheering for the Waterfords to be freed. And there you get a little glimmer of the old Serena. You know, she's getting a taste of this attention. You know, she's probably thinking back to the time when she was once, you know, a conservative spokesperson Mm -hmm. and had her own platform. The before before time. (laughs) And you can see a little bit of this kind of fire up inside her again. But apart from that, you know, I think this is a woman who's really questioning whether she needs uh, to be there. I can, I, she can see the advantage of being yes. there, but like she's not there for Fred at all. Right. You want to take this one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I'll say is, I agree. Like in the scene in the court, she's definitely she's like, "What am I doing?" <laughs> in a, in a way, right? She like she flinches when when Fred touches her, but then by the end, when they're walking along to that car and their supporters are around them, and she gets a smile and she grabs Fred's hand, I think she's very much remembered how things were for her, and she's like, "Hang on, I freaking love this," and she is empty if we're to believe June's words, and that's all it is. Like that's all she she needs. Like she will forge back with Fred if that serves some other purpose for her, her narcissism, perhaps. So I think by the end, she's like, okay, this is where I need to be. This is my home. And this is where I get what I need. I'm here. Yeah. This is how I read it. 
Yeah, I think that first scene where she's um, recounting Moira's oh. testimony, which is just the best, <laughs> and prompts it? his entrance. Um, like, <laughs> well like, played, they can't Moira. Make him more pathetic, can they? Yeah. Like, it's so great. <laughs> like, and the thing is, he's not actually embarrassed. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. dude. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's very funny with his comeback about it. But um, but in that scene, Serena makes the point that he's not doing himself, i.e her as well any favours in the way he's behaving in the court and in the public eye because, you know, we do get a sense that the world is watching this mm. um, trial in this one. And Serena says, everything, everything you do reflects do on us, on all of us. us. All of us, actually. So calling her June would help. When he says, we're the teal, it's Fred saying you don't want June to think that you're afraid of her, that gets her back yes. on, you know, mm-hmm. tapping that rage monster. And then in the court... That glance between she and June when Fred's riling her up, I mean, their lawyer as well. Yeah. <laughs> what a piece of she is. Um, <laughs> the, Serena, I think, like she's baiting, like she knows it's baiting June. So she wants the rage monster to come out in that moment because it will look better for them. So I think, yeah, we're just seeing this warming up of Serena to getting extremely back on her bullshit. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she loves it when, when those protesters, it. not protesters, supporters, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And now she's going to have a she kid too it. to like rally her religious bullshit around as well. Like she's going to be back on top and in form. So what gets me about that is because, look, I know I said last time that she's 100% evil. And I guess what gets me, <laughs> what gets me in this episode is that she almost wasn't. Like, yeah. I feel like she was teetering. She was so close to tapping into like a sliver of like humanity. Yeah. And I sort of felt that like she was almost in that courtroom. Is it a courtroom? Whatever that is. Um, she was sitting back from Fred. She wasn't quite on board. Yes, he said, wear the teal. And she did. And honestly, like, shut up, Fred. <laughs> but um, she was sitting there and I just thought, oh, I don't know that she's on board with this. Mm. And especially when June is sort of like recounting that Serena tried to help and that her finger was cut off and Fred allowed it, you know, and he was actually okay with that. And I just thought, oh, I wonder if Serena is actually going to be like this really sort of interesting journey of like becoming somewhat normal. And then she stepped outside and she saw all of the fans. And there's actually a term for it, which is called narcissistic glow. <laughs> and she just like, she just got the feedback that she's absolutely craving. And that was it. It was all over. And I just thought, oh, she was almost there. <laughs> she was almost going to actually be someone we could maybe get behind. But instead, no, it's gone. She's lost. I feel like now she's lost. Mm. Yeah. I don't well, know. I was, I'm not convinced that that's like a solid pivot for her. I reckon she's just wavering on this line. Still, and she right, has yeah. been since she's been in Canada and she will continue to do that. So she's definitely not... 100% evil. She's, you know, she's more on the like 70-30. Whoa, really? I'd say 90-10, like if I'm being no generous. Way. I need to 70, clarify 30, with 60-40. Mm-mm, that's where I'm yeah, sitting. Yeah, which, which, which way? <laughs> I I'm, I'm shocked at that. 99-1 well, more like it. It's been an interesting sort of bit of a thought exercise to go after our chat last time to think, oh, who is she sort of mirroring in public life? Which sort of like Republican, mm. conservative women are really sort of on the public stage in the US and and which one do we think which ones do we think we might be seeing in Serena Um, and I'm always sort of reluctant to talk about it because you know Americans are living sort of like the the full 
director's cut of like American Life and we just get like, I don't know, the trailer highlights version. Um, it's, sort of, it's sort of interesting to think of what her real world counterparts mm. might be. We have talked about this before. We mm. talked about like the Tommy Larens and the and cultures of the world mm. before, but that's... That was back in... That was season one-ish kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. yeah who, that, who now? Yeah, the world has That changed. was for those moments of the before before times when yes. she was the pundit. Yeah. This episode, I think, is a very much a post-Trump presidency episode looking at not wanting to move forward, like wanting to still be angry about what happened, you know, the January 6th and everything. I think it's a nod to it without being too explicit about it. But like this show, you know, was such a moment in contrast to the previous occupant of the White House's administration. You know, it really held a mirror up. And now he's gone from the White House at least, but that influence still lives on. So I think Hmm. this episode is a bit of an acknowledgement like, just because he's out of there doesn't mean this is all over people. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. I think yeah. especially that moment when we saw the supporters yes, with exactly. their placards and we were, I was so expecting protesters and it was a surprise to me. But then I kind of second took and went, oh, of course, like we're, we're all living in these increasingly separated kind of political spheres where our social media algorithms just feed us our own <laughs> viewpoints back to us and we're completely isolated from other political viewpoints. And of course there is a a contingent out there in Canada who love and support the Gilead regime and want to see the Waterfords freed. This Um, is the world we live in. 100%. And the fact that in that moment, just before they step outside, Fred, when they still think they're protesters, he says there's more than usual. (laughs) So there are more supporters coming than usually there are protesters, which is alarming. Um, Well, like speaking of evil characters. I think it was really great that the spotlight was on the aunts this week. And they're really like a bit of a sad indictment on power that like, even though Gilead is this very gendered world, when it comes to power and abuse of power, it is not just the men. And we sort of get the aunts point of view or more that they sort of come back into focus for, for us, which is really sort of fascinating to look at. And that aunt tried to justify her actions, you know, that like we get trained to treat you badly to like to help you or (laughs) to save you. And it also felt incredibly realistic that there would be aunts in Canada Mm. and they probably would be harassing handmaids because I was so angry when she turned up. I was like, I was thrilled that June just got straight in the middle and was like, you know, got her out of there. Where was her bodyguard, though? <laughs> anyway. Was that who that was? Her bodyguard? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, he was hovering, but get in there. So I just thought, you have no right to come anywhere near a handmaid, especially mm. at their therapy circle. And then yeah. to be like, please, I need you to forgive me. Like, yeah. what? This is so, my God, they just, they can't see beyond their own needs and their own beliefs. They're just so blinkers on, always. Mm-hmm. Well, she was actually very tortured, wasn't she? Yeah. You know, like she was, she was really, I did believe that she was really suffering and she just needed this forgiveness. And I was just, um, I just love the quiet power of Emily mm-hmm. that she's not going to do what June does. But just the fact that she said, there is nothing you can do. There was just nothing. And then she just sort of quietly got up and walked away. And that actually was also thoroughly devastating. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> it was very mm-hmm. powerful. But what was interesting, okay, I'm always thrilled when I actually notice something, (laughs) (laughs) which is to do with like set design. But uh, I really like that their therapy circle was taking place on a rug, which very much looked like an eye. Mm. Oh, did it? (laughs) Yeah. I did not notice that. I didn't notice either. Same. 
Well, I actually I'm gonna rewatch it now yeah. because I'm thrilled. I screen capped it, so you know, <laughs> I'll put it on Twitter. <laughs> Love it. Which was a shade of Gilead still being there and still being very, very present. Yeah. Yes. That scene comes directly after Lawrence and Lydia's moment where he's saying you need a better outlet and then, then we go straight to that scene with the aunt. To June finding her outlet as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, so, and the hint that maybe this is the productive outlet for um, the useful outlet for Escaped Handmaids. I do wonder if it meant to feel more empathy with the aunt who clearly... <laughs> nah, <laughs> no way. Uh, you know, because you know she she kills herself at the end. You yeah. know, there's there's real pain there. Um, well, yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting because she clearly does feel remorse now. It's mm. extremely belated for you know Emily was mutilated because of her and the Martha she was killed. It, yeah, mm. hung up. So yeah, that genuine moment of remorse. I do believe, but is that enough? And that's the question she poses to Emily. And for Emily, no, it's not. That because is she it. dubbed her in. She didn't totally, have totally. to. Yes. Yes. It, wasn't like she, yes. it wasn't like she had to be cruel because Lydia was watching, you yeah. know? Yep. You get the impression that in Gilead she didn't actually have to say anything and she could have just let that slide. Mm. But she didn't. Yeah. I think that's partly because she probably so firmly believed in God and, and Gilead's version of religion that she thought she was being honest before God by dubbing her in. But I also think, I always wonder... How sorry are people like her and Serena actually, because they're now in Canada and they can reflect on what they did. Are they sorry because they got caught or Mm -hmm. are they actually Mm -hmm. sorry? And with the aunt, my sympathy wasn't fully there for her because I I, that was still in the back of my mind thinking, Mm -hmm. I think you're sorry because you're in Canada now. Yeah. But the thing is, the aunt hasn't been caught. Yeah, she's, she's not got into out. Canada. You know, I assume claiming to That's have true. been a, a handmaid. It actually, it actually reminds me of how so many Nazis fled yeah. Europe in the aftermath of World War Two. So many that like these escape routes had like a name. I think they were called like the Rat Lines or something oh, like right. that. And there were these passages that a lot of Nazis used to escape to places like Argentina mm-hmm. and even even the United States. And this would have really happened. These yeah. people getting out with no mm-hmm. accountability. Yeah. That's the thing for me. Like she was fine. She had a new identity. She came out of the shadows to, yeah. to speak to Emily. So, th- so that moment, like I do think it is remorse. I think Emily's fair enough to think there's nothing you can say, lady, that make it okay. Mm. But that scene, I love the way it was shot too, that Emily driving out to maybe convince her to yeah. to testify or to just draw attention to the fact that the aunts are so pivotal in in this power structure in Gilead. It's, she doesn't leave the car. It's, you know, there's just suggestions of what's happening and... She just does a U-turn and she's out of there again. I love the way that was shot. And yes, it, was, yeah. it was sad, but also within the episode, you know, we see how it ultimately is cathartic. But, yeah, the way it was shot, it was still sympathetic um, mm. to Emily and like, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> Emily's a little setback on her <laughs> moving forward again. But turns out, no, yeah. she's good. That's yeah, <laughs> why that line at the end was so fantastic because, yeah, throughout that whole scene I'm like, oh, how is Emily going to react to this? Yeah. This is... Too much. Like, yeah. no, I don't want anything else to happen to Emily. The show like, is playing <laughs> us. Yeah, the show is there playing us. so many victims waiting for their abuser to die, yeah. you know. So Emily yeah. Emily got that and now they can live vicariously through Emily's experience. Mm. I love how June helps the handmaids in this group therapy and particularly Emily to find a way to move forward through anger yeah. in this episode where on the flip side, June finally finds a way to move forward through vulnerability, yeah. uh, even though she's kind of fought against that 
prescribed vulnerability of the group therapy circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's a good way to wrap up the episode, I think. The, the fact that, like I said, we don't know what June's going to do when she gets home, but turns out it's it's exactly that. She's learnt a little bit from that. She didn't do her journaling, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's rubbed off a little bit in that way. And we don't talk about it much the way episodes open and then end, but the way that they're in conversation too, I do love that. You know, the song, it's the same song, but it's a different mix of it than, yeah. um, that we yeah. end with now. And, yeah, sometimes, like I remember that first episode of the season, June's eyes opened and then in the end of the episode, her eyes were closing again. Like I, I do love, you know, that opening and closing. Yeah, the journey. The show also started with the group therapy where everyone was speaking for June and it was zooming in on June without June having said anything yet. And then at the end, everyone's speaking for Emily until she finally says her piece. So that that was nice too. Yeah. This is a good one. Mm. Yeah. I love this season. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say that. Yeah, me too. I'm really digging it. Yeah. Not much left of it, though. No. <laughs> Two episodes, right? Yeah. Ugh. Penultimate one next week. Oh, my God. All right. Predictions for these last two episodes. <laughs> Anyone? Haiti? Well, I'm still not convinced that Serena has 100% returned to this Fred Waterford reunion thing. So I, I reckon there might be a Serena defection still coming. Ooh, oh, my. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm holding out hope. <laughs> right. It's so hard. It's so hard to know. Um, two episodes to go. What are they gearing up for, knowing that there is a season five coming? Mm. Yeah, I'm more of the, I was wondering if actually Fred and Serena, I think they are, they're back together. They're a thing now. Yep. I don't know if is like the testimony part over or is there going to be more of that in season five? Is it really going to be a, a showdown? Because this isn't the actual court case, we're told, right? No. Yeah. So there's, there's more to happen. And, yeah. Or is there? And June says, you know, anything else can be for the trial. So yeah. I don't know. Is there going to be a trial? I That's my prediction, like. I hope there's not a plea or some plea bargain or some yeah. kind of garbage <laughs> we <laughs> want to see the way out of this for the Waterfords. Um, yeah, I don't know. That That's my fear. And I can see June becoming, she has become a leader, you know, and that this episode she's been inspiring sort of the anger and the rage in women and they wanted to hang around, you know, like they, she's now sort of leading them in a way and she's already done that with Janine. So I do wonder, I do wonder what this army of women is that she is sort of raising up. Yeah. And um, I'm so thrilled that we have seen Janine. I'm so glad that she's alive. Yeah. <laughs> Very sad, of course, that she's in Gilead and with Aunt Lydia. Um, but, you know, maybe she can now mess some stuff up. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. Thanks for listening. We hope that helped. Um, we're off to the library to go and shout at an aunt. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Haiti Island, Sana Kadar and Natalie Handley. And thank you for listening. We love that you choose to watch this series along with us and we love knowing what you think of all the episodes. Reach out on Twitter and tell us and you can find me on Twitter at anything but Fifi. Haiti, where can we find you? At Haiti Island. Natalie? At Natalie Handley. And Sana? At Sana underscore Kadar. And use the hashtag Eyes on Gilead. That's how we spot your tweets. Speaking of which, there's a bit of a theory people are running with on on the hashtag. Oh yeah, the uh, the theory that Baby Nicole is actually 
Fred Waterford's baby and yeah. not Nick's, which I love. And to be <laughs> honest, that did cross my mind and I immediately put it aside because I thought, oh, but the baby doesn't look anything like Fred, which is silly because obviously the baby in real life isn't either of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a documentary, have you? We need the baby to get some really thick eyebrows now. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, yes, of course, the baby's not either of their biological child, but, you know, if that was to be a thing, surely June would comment on appearance. Like, I feel like it would be acknowledged that the baby doesn't look like one father or another if it wasn't actually next. I don't know. Like, it because the same, like, and especially that comment Fred made last week about the baby's as much mine as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that, yeah. that dig he had to Serena made me go, ooh. But also... This show doesn't really engage in twists like that. Yeah, it's very soapy, that idea that that's actually Fred's kid. Yeah, I find it, I think that's our training (laughs) that we're trying to unlearn of what TV shows do. But then having said that, if that's the finale, look, they'll do it in a way that makes me go, eh, works. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything anymore. Because Serena's pregnancy is a bit of a soapy twist too. Mm-hmm. Um, look, <laughs> who knows? Maybe. <laughs> well, um, on Twitter, I really enjoyed seeing everyone's reactions to last week's episode because it was very much like ours, which was like, mm. yes, they were there for it. Yes, they were loving it. Yes, they were loving it. Oh, then, no, whoops. No. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that go? I very much enjoyed the live tweeting. <laughs> Katie shared one in the group chat that was, wow, this person had a journey. <laughs> when you commit to live tweeting an episode, you, you have to be there for the... You do. And, and that, that episode got us... That, it just got us all. And someone and other people were saying that they are crying as well. And you know what? I also cried in this one. Like, mm. I, I, that final scene finally got me. You know, like, I was actually... I was actually cheering for, like, a lot of this episode. I was loving all the revenge. And then, <laughs> and then when... June and Luke had their moment for the very final scenes. I lost it. I was like, this show is going to eke every last tear out of me. So here's my tip, everyone. Stay hydrated. (laughs) Drink that weird water. (laughs) Supermarket. Well, look, keep those tweets coming at reminding us we're very much not alone in our little therapy circle here. And while we have you, why not leave some feedback and give us a rating on your favourite podcast app? It uh, helps other people to find the show. So we will be back to recap episode nine, the penultimate episode in this season four, when that drops on Wednesday at SBS On Demand and screens on Thursday at SBS at 9.30pm. And remember, if you speak other languages or know someone who does, SBS On Demand is also subtitling the series in simplified Chinese and Arabic. For more Handmaid's coverage, you can head to SBS Guide, uh, where we also have some recommendations for other things to watch as you await the next episode. I've got one little recommendation. If anybody wants a little bit of a light palate cleanser (laughs) to enjoy between episodes of The Handmaid's Tales, because goodness knows I need to watch something light after I've seen an episode of The Handmaid's Tale. Um, We've just launched a new New Zealand comedy series on SBS On Demand called The Creamery, which is kind of turning The Handmaid's Tale on its head. It's, It's also set in a bit of a post-apocalyptic future where the world's male population have all been wiped out with a virus <laughs> and the remaining women you know, have to partake in pregnancy lotteries to use up the remaining sperm banks and oh, wow. a group of women living on a farm in rural New Zealand stumble across what appears to be the last remaining man on earth. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and we go from there. It's it's really funny and I highly recommend it. Yeah, that is that is a good recommendation, Haiti. So that's the creamery at SBS On Demand. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like the thing that's getting me through between Handmaid's episodes is actually the Hamilton soundtrack. And I have been playing it a lot, but weirdly enough, Fred sounded like he could have been on stage in Hamilton. Like I was almost expecting him to break into song. <laughs> so now what's going to keep me going for like the next week is imagining the Handmaid's Tale musical. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. And I wow. think I think June's going to have an amazing angry anthem that we will listen to for the next 20 years. Okay. Like, we'll get on to that and we'll, we'll do the podcast for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Well, uh, Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next time, don't let the bastards grind you down. I think that's the hour, ladies.